This week we'll be talking about the new gameplay reveal for God of War Ragnarok, why Savage Game Studio joining PlayStation is important to your cell phone, or smartphone rather, Tencent and Sony throwing money at From Software, what it means to go back to the basics in Assassin's Creed Mirage, what's happening in Halo 3 and where is the split-screen co-op, and game impressions from Last of Us Part 1 Remake and Fortnite Goku Edition. We'll get to those and more on Season 6, Episode 34 of Press X to Start Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm your host taking over for DJ because he's got a bad case of the giraffe pox. No, he got bit in the eyes by uh, two snakes. Yeah, everybody getting bit by snakes. By the way, I recovered from that, and that's why I'm back. Were they trouser snakes? (laughs) Extends. (laughs) I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, yeah, well, I'm your heavyweight champion from a wish nigga with California, a.k.a. the janitor because of you watch niggas, a.k.a. Thickless Cage, Marcus Ellison. <laughs> I am Sean M.F. Ross. What that MF stand for? Rusty Trombone. <laughs> what? Don't worry about it. Don't Google that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about it. It's a sex act and Sean is being weird. Let's move on. And who are you? Uh, I'm Avery. Yes, you are. And uh, just in case no one is alarmed, DJ's here. Just in spirit. It's your boy, DJ, a.k.a. (laughs) Sexy Factories, a.k.a. You know, I said I was going to forget that word, and I totally forgot that word. Ethereal. There you go. The ethereal producer, a.k.a. It wasn't monkey pots, guys. It wasn't snake bite. I just went in for a uh, backyard uh, surgery to get my face to look more like a Gundam, and it, it didn't. It didn't go well. He went for BBLs, and they couldn't tell his face from his ass. <laughs> I said <laughs> RX seventy eight, and they gave me a BBL. <laughs> oh shit, Sean, that was a bar. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Anyway, okay, yeah. But yeah, with that out the way, Press X to Start podcast is a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news, review the biggest games, and give you our thoughts on the games that we're playing. Our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view. And now, with that out the way, we're going to go right into what we've been playing. No, sorry, not what we've been playing. <laughs> I told you I'm rusty. We're going to go into the quick hits. <laughs> Yes. Go ahead, Avery. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, having a bad weekend, guys. So I'm, I'm gonna see if I can't do my best. Our first story is from uh, Game Informer. This is from Jason Guisal. God of War: Ragnarok Combat lets you play with your food. I'm gonna let you guys handle this because I have not read or seen any of this. What does that even mean? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, um, I put this on there. I meant to tell you about it before. But basically, this new gameplay content came out for God of War Ragnarok. And it's basically showing you the new things you can do with the axe and the uh, Blades of Chaos. And it looks 
it looks pretty cool. I'm guessing you can mess around and juggle the enemies before you actually like finish them off. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. I guess with if they're saying you could play with your food, it, I guess it would mean you can like juggle them around or fuck with them before confirming the kill. Yeah, so you're able to do different little combos now, which is really cool. And then so for your Ooh. axe, I think like in God of War uh, 2018, you can enhance it with ice, right? Mm. Yeah, that was the thing that you could do. Okay, so it's the same kind of thing going on here. And then with the Blades of Chaos, of course, you can enhance those with fire. So you're able to do a bunch of different combos before finishing off your opponents. So it's really cool. Like I saw this and I was like, oh, I'm 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 so excited for this and I can't wait to play this in November right after I play Skull and Bones and and Sonic, you know, Sonic is going to crush this game. boy. (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) Game of the year. Sonic Frontiers. Right. Got it. So, yeah, this looks really cool. And then, as you can see, Atreus in the background doing stuff with his bow and arrow. So apparently he's a Giga Chad now. Yeah, it looks like uh, Kratos is calling out places for him to hit. So that's cool. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Next up, Avery. What now? We're done talking? Yes. No, I'm on media blackout. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. God of War has, after Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West, God of War has a lot to uh, live up to. I don't think it's possible for it to hit the same height to hit the second game. So I'm going into this game with as zero knowledge as physically possible to at least maximize anything fresh to the experience. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. So our next story is from GamesBeat. This is from Dean Takahashi. NetEase has acquired Detroit Becoming Human Maker Quantic Dream. The story was weird in that I pretty much thought this had already happened about three months ago, but after doing some research, it was some clarification, they had actually invested in them and not made oh. a full purchase. So this is them outright buying Quantic Dream. Uh, there's not really much to say about this story in that I don't know where you go from here with Quantic Dream. Uh, as far as well, some of the things they noted in this article from Dean Takahashi is that David Cage and the creative team and all of those people involved in Quantum Dream are going to still be involved. They have full creative control of themselves as an organization. Mm. The NetEase purchase just gives them NetEase money and maybe Chinese influence in their game design in the future. But whether that means a total overhaul of what they are as a developer, I don't know. You also get into the weird uh, weirdness of that. I really like Quantum Dream games. They make a very specific type of game. I think they make a very specific type of game because of the creative team involved with that. Yeah, so it's one of those situations, point. do you buy Quantic Dream for the name and the IP and get rid of everyone, or do you buy Quantic Dream for the, the people and, and for the team and you, you work from there? That's kind of like a Sony with a uh, Bungie. Like, would they keep yeah. David Cage? Of course. You think? I mean, I don't think they should, but they probably will. Um, Why would you not want them to give David? Uh, because he's ass. Well, yeah, he well. had all those issues and stuff, yeah. <laughs> You know, if we're if we're cleaning up shop, he should be one of the people at the top of the list at this point. But they probably won't get rid of David Cage. But all this is telling me is that a uh, Quantic Dream gotcha game's coming. Oh gosh, <laughs> they're gonna go up against Mihoyo and their new uh, gotcha game, Honky Star Rail or whatever it's called. He said Honky Star Rail. <laughs> next, next, please, it's Hong please. Kai, Marcus Hong Kai. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so our next story is directly from the PlayStation blog. Uh, This is from Herman Holt. Welcome, Savage Game Studios, plus expanding our community. 
So essentially, PlayStation used their war chest of money to pick up a developer called Savage Game Studios, and they have tasked them with being head of their brand new mobile games division, uh, PlayStation Mobile, to head the development of making spinoffs of various PlayStation IP that you can play on your phone. Uh, in this article by Herman, he also makes a point to say that, hey man, us buying this place will not affect any of our development for any of our AAA games. Essentially, this means that with us taking a focus on mobile, this means that none of our AAA studios need to even think about making mobile games, which then prompted me to spend about an hour in a Twitter live space of angry PlayStation fans just upset that PlayStation is wasting money on mobile games. Eh, they ain't getting no money from me. I, I think we just have to see like what this actually amounts to. Because this could be just something that we all just kind of forget and keep it pushing, or it could be like, oh, look at that. It's actually a cool idea that's coming from a PlayStation IP that we all care about. My money's on the former. <laughs> this is the second time PlayStation has done a mobile imprint. Let's, let's not forget games like Run, Sackboy, Run. So I, have, I don't have the absolute confidence in like the future of this. Uh, as someone who doesn't like playing mobile games and has no interest in playing mobile games, this is not something that's absolutely interesting to me, and there's frankly nothing that I can think of that they could make that would make me want to play video games on my phone instead of playing them on my PlayStation 5. So this is one of those things where, like, me as a fan of the industry, I'm going to keep an eye out and see what this pans out to be because mobile is super lucrative. Like, uh, Xbox has gone on to say the reason why they bought Activision Blizzard was for King in their mobile games development. But like, it's one of those things where, like, I know Activision owned King, but ever since like the boom of Candy Crush, I haven't heard a single yeah. peep out of King on what they've been doing. So I'm just assuming that King has just been consistently making a lot of money over the last decade or so, and this is what PlayStation wants. Yeah, like King is making bank off of Candy Crush. Like, um, apparently there's like a thousand two hundred or so levels in Candy Crush now. Because King has just been adding stuff to it over the years. So it it's says just ridiculous. in the second quarter of 2022, King generated $684 million in revenue. God yeah. damn. Sounds about That's right. It's a lot it's of mothers. A, yeah. It's a good business uh, investment in Sony's case. But it's one of those good investments that, like, it doesn't seem very... Uh, it's, it's hard to say because Sony's in this weird flux period of a corporation mm -hmm. where I can't really predict what is a Sony move and what is a non-Sony move. In that, this is a brand new developer, as far as I can tell. They haven't really done anything, so there's nothing that we can point to and say, these are the type of games that they're making, these are the success that they're making. So I have no real understanding of what relationship Sony has to them or what type of games that Sony could be making with them. Yeah. It's like a good business move, but in terms of like the hype around this is just almost non-existent because we all have a you know particular mindset when it comes to mobile games. And clash that with PlayStation is kind of like, all right, well, what are you going to do with this? I mean, specifically, the PlayStation audience has a very specific idea of what mobile games right, is. Because right. PlayStation marketed yeah. the console as a dedicated hardcore video game console. So, like, yeah. the audience for PlayStation isn't necessarily the audience for mobile games. But we'll see. Well, they could end up doing the... Um, there's, I feel like, over time, mobile games, there's, like, two divisions of mobile games now where there's, like, really, you know passive experience uh 
you know, casual mobile games like Candy Crush and stuff. And then they've got like, there's this one mobile game right now. I think it's about like gods or whatever. And you're playing like it's, I forget what it's called, but I know it's like really big with like Gen Z kids. And, you know, so you mean dislike? I could dislike. There we go. Dislike, uh, yeah. dislike is a gotcha RPG. I think it has one of the coolest design aesthetics I've ever seen in any type of game. Like, whoever designed their game is just like chef's kiss. All these characters look amazing. But it's, yeah. it's nothing different than any other gotcha game in terms of, like, Is it really popular with Gen Z, though, Marcus? Like, That's pretty much all I've seen playing it, really. I've seen ads for, was it Dislike? Yeah, it's, I've seen mm-hmm. thousands of ads for Dislike. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's just, it's everywhere. But yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone play it, so... I don't but, really that, but games like that are really hard because like Nintendo had their own version of that Dragalia Lost, and I'm pretty sure Dragalia Lost is now ending its development. Mm. Which one of those things? I started like, playing it. These type of games are a gamble. Like we'll see what types of games they make. Uh, our next story is from Claire Jacob. This is from Kotaku. Tencent, Sony throw big money at Elden Ring maker from software. So. Both Tencent and Sony, I believe, already own shares in Kalakala. Wow. Kalakala. Yeah. Kalakala, who is the uh, owners of From Software. And this is them directly infusing From Software with Capital. Capital owning about 30%. I think Tencent owns like 17 or 16, and Sony owns like 14, 13 around those numbers, which. I don't, like I said, these are one of those Sony investments that like I don't know what it really means because they've made a bunch of these investments. Like there's there's the Epic, there's the Discord, there's a bunch of investments that I don't necessarily know what that means for PlayStation, but ultimately what that means for uh, from software is they just got an influx of cash to uh, beef up their development in the future. And from software is a developer who shits out games. So, like, I would expect more from software games now at, at the quality and caliber of Elden Ring at a more quicker pace, if that makes sense. DJ, yeah. you might end up getting a new Armored Core. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But, like, I, I definitely feel like what this means is that PlayStation is taking an eye at from softworks. Because I think they, they did the same thing. As you said, they did the same thing with Discord, right? And then... Now we're getting like Discord integration kind of thing, and I, I feel like I feel like there's been things like this similar to happen in the past with PlayStation in terms of them putting money at a, in a particular company that's not exactly first party. Like, like I said, I I know this uh, intimately with both Epic and Discord in regards to yes. those are two big companies that PlayStation put money into. PlayStation right. put money into uh, Discord to build integration between the two of them, but then Xbox immediately already came out before playstation and did that exact same thing that you think that playstation's financial investment would have gone to facilitate and then epic i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah and with epic i don't know what tangible effect that their investment has with playstation games i've seen so like this is one of those investments that like i don't know what that means yeah for playstation i know what it means for from software i don't know what it means for playstation good point Okay, uh, so our next story is from GameSpot. This is from Eddie McCooch. Uh, new Assassin's Creed game called Mirage coming spring 2023 takes series back to its roots. 
Uh, so this, there is a whole bunch of uh, industry insider leaking going on uh, this week, or at least the week that we are recording this podcast, time travel. And one of the big things that came out was that we already knew that Ubisoft was making this game. We just didn't know any real details and really real confirmation of whether any of the details that we did know were true. So this is a spinoff of Assassin's Creed uh, Ragnarok in which you play as the, I believe the character's name is Bossom in uh, mm-hmm. adventures in a Middle Eastern setting. Uh, this is not going to be a big giant open world RPG like the last three Assassin's Creed games. It's going to be more streamlined. Did you mean and- Assassin's Creed Origins? No, because the character you're talking about is Bayek. Oh, okay. There is a Middle Eastern character in the Saski Ragnarok named, I believe, Bossin. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be more streamlined and more in line with the original Assassin's Creed games. Uh, the game doesn't have a date, but odds are we'll get one with the Ubisoft Forward in the next in the coming weeks, so we'll get a good idea of when this game is coming out. That Ubisoft Forward is September 10th. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we'll probably find out more information and probably get more uh, info because this information was leaked and then Ubisoft just came out and said, hey, this is what we're doing to get ahead of the leaks so they can at least control a little bit of the message. I am excited for this because as someone who loves Assassin's Creed and has been out of the loop for the last three games because I don't want to play The Witcher. I don't want to play a 700-hour RPG. I kind of just want a more focused 20 to 40-hour like sci-fi assassin game now they're just uh, uh historical the witcher games collect yeah bonds. yeah because this is exactly what you've been asking for right 100 i'm not right i'm not even like a assassin's creed fan and just like the way that they've evolved seems weird yeah i was still on the podcast back in the day when Assassin's creed origins came out and it was just me molding about just being like i guess i like this game it's a competently well put together game, but it just straight up doesn't feel like Assassin's Creed in a way that demonstrably maybe we don't call it Assassin's Creed going forward. Mm. But yeah, anyone else yeah. got any thoughts about this? As long as it's not as long as uh, Valhalla, and I guess Odyssey oh, it's was Valhalla. Just I'm sorry, long. it's Valhalla, not Ragnarok. My bad. I mean, same shit. Mm. Ragnarok was coming in the game. Um. As long as it doesn't have the same table length, I may check it out. But uh, Valhalla was fun for, you know, the initial stages. And then it just got to the point where it's like, Jesus Christ, when is this going to end? Yeah, I will never forget that clip that you posted on uh, the IG of you getting attacked by that bear randomly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Caught you slipping. I actually think that I would be interested in this because when I played Assassin's Creed, I think I tried the first one. I played and beat the second one. And then I think by the time the third one came out, I was kind of I just kind of moved on. But then I came back to Assassin's Creed in Origins and that uh, I played a little bit of that and then I bounced off of it and I came back later on. And I so you played- didn't play Black Flag either? No, oh no, no! I played Black Flag. I I really like Black Flag. I didn't beat Black Flag because of how uh, Black Flag because of how big it was. Careful now. I know, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't play. What was what was Assassin's Creed Three? You guys are terrible. Uh, uh, that is It's just called Assassin's Creed Three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't play that one. But yeah, yeah. So them going back, like I'm, I'm actually interested in this. Got it. 
Okay, so our next story is from VGC. This is from Tom Ivan. CD Projekt Red to reveal what's next for Cyberpunk 2077 in an upcoming live stream. Uh, All right, so yeah. cool. Next story. <laughs> okay. What should I'm be joking, next is liquidating the assets of the game and just moving on to whatever <laughs> they can do now. No, I, I mean, I'm curious to see what they're even trying to do at this point with this game. Like, what goodwill are you going to try to garner? What, what are you fixing in this game? Is, is hype? Is it even selling? What would be kind of fire <laughs> is with Edge Runners coming out. If they like added in some sort of integration with that, that'd be kind of cool. Let's say Avery. I'm waiting for DJ so we can move to the subscriber plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> I was going to say that. Um, so apparently some keen eye viewer caught that uh, in in the Edge Runner trailer, there's like a quick screenshot of like cyberpunk gameplay where the main character is wearing like an Edge Runner jacket. So there might be some integration like mixing that way. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of along the same lines as everyone else because it's just like the thing is like this game sold super well because it marketed super well and then a lot of people were just kind of like what happened to this game but like it was a pyramid scheme oh pyramid scheme <laughs> but like all that means that there is a lot of um copies of this game out in the wild where people can you know just download it and, and play it again if they you know put out interesting content yeah i got the ps5 version still on my console I don't think I ever even downloaded the upgraded one. Wow. All right. Get them subscribers on our channel, Marcus. All right. Well, before we go into Xbox Game Pass stuff, if you're watching this and you've been enjoying the video so far, please like the video, hit the subscribe button and hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on our future videos. And if you're listening to this, go on over to the video, go on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, give this a like, give a comment uh, if you have things that you want to say, because we would love to hear from you. Comment. Leave us a review if you're listening to this, please. We need your support. It's like cocaine to us. Cocaine them. <laughs> but yeah. All right, Avery, go ahead. Okay, yeah, uh, so this is from Ari Notice. This is from Kotaku. Xbox multiple account Game Pass plan sounds like a great deal. So essentially something that's been in the background rumblings of Xbox Game Pass is a family sharing plan, which in the world of subscription services is either a good idea or a bad idea. Certain people have certain uh, ideas of whether that's profitable. Uh, leave it at that. But long story short, they're currently testing this in... Uh, uh, certain markets, I believe Ireland and Brazil. Yes. Uh, no, Colombia and, and Ireland. Uh, and essentially what it allows is a, a single Xbox Game Pass account holder to share the account with up to five people, which I think is great for the hypothetical, well, it, it's intendedly great for the hypothetical household that is multiple Xboxes evolve, but realistically it's going to be a way for a group of same as how we share Sean's dirt cheap uh, Nintendo Switch Online account. It is that, but for Xbox. I think from a pure 
user consumer based standpoint, it's a fantastic deal for everyone except for the account holder because it's more expensive than Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is about fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to probably net out around somewhere around twenty dollars a month. Uh, I think it said twenty five in there. I that twenty five is based upon numbers for other markets. And oh, so yeah, it's not like from, precise. A, from a conversion standpoint, it's somewhere around twenty one ninety nine. But like if I'm Xbox and I'm trying to keep a clean number that's easier for people to understand, I pick twenty yeah. over twenty one. So yeah, we're as a consumer base, it's great for the Xbox ecosystem to proliferate itself into more people and get more people into the Xbox ecosystem. Uh I'm still dubious about the economics of most subscription services. And I think I, I need to see more data from multiple subscription services about whether mm-hmm. this is like an actual profitable thing. Because the only subscription services I know are the Nintendo one, which like the economics of that are just bad in general because of the way that service works. And then there is currently Netflix is trying this after doing everything in their power to prevent people from doing this entirely. And then there is the ultimate reach around of that. As of right now, uh, I don't know if this covers xCloud and Game Pass Ultimate and things like that. So there's a lot of individual factors of value that I'm a little bit dubious on, but from a pure consumer standpoint, it seems great if you're into it. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's kind of hard for us to really give an opinion because we all don't use Xbox, except for uh, Marcus. Marcus, uh, you... you, But uh... I... When I bought my Xbox, it uh, came with like two free years of Game Pass, so... Two free years? Wow. Two yeah, three so months it, or years? No, it's two years. years. <laughs> like I said, the economics of Game Pass don't make sense to me. <laughs> two free years, my guy. And Jesus. I think it, it also had a lot to do with the fact, I think I got it around, it was some sort of uh, like, I like unusual you got around deal. Black Friday, right? Yeah, it was around Black Friday. So that, that was an added deal, I guess, tacked on. But yeah, so. Who would you buy it from? Uh, Best Buy. Was this added by Best Buy or what? I have no idea. I just know that's, that that's what that's it came with. Really strange to me. Two whole years. Wow. Yep. And, and uh, so, how are you utilizing it? You know, actually, I'll get into that when we talk about what we've been playing. But for right now, uh, we're going to go over to the next story with every. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, our next story is we're going to stick on the Xbox train for the next couple of stories while we wrap this up. This is from uh, Gene Park uh, from the Washington Post. Halo Infinite Season 3 delayed to March with Forge arriving in November. Look what they've done to my boy. Uh, I, I, I want to be very delicate and uh, magnanimous about how I speak about this because I don't want to say I told you so. <laughs> but, fuck. Okay, let me, let me just... Yeah, Halo Infinite is a fucking disaster. And to now be its season... It's been out for a full year. Well, it's going to be out for a full year. And we're... Let me break it down to games that make sense to me. I play Apex Legends. That game has been Mm -hmm. out for four years right now. I think around four years. Yeah. Yeah, almost. We are at season... 14. 14, 15. We get a new Mm -hmm. season every three months. That's a guaranteed brand new character. Brand new balance changes. Uh, Every three to four seasons, we get a brand new map. We get a new gun every other season. There is a constant drip feed of content for that every three months that keeps the game refreshed. Even even yeah. without the seasons, they still have events every yeah. couple weeks. Yeah, so there's always a constant drip feed. I play Valorant. Valorant has a brand new act mm-hmm. every two to three months. 
that new act comes with odds are a new map a new agent uh balance changes really detailed battle passes these are both examples of games of service games live service games that i'm currently playing Even destiny of fortnite long story short they launched halo infinite as a live service game and it is currently not even doing dlc like the old model correctly if that makes sense yeah the first season of this game was six months long they announced season two where they got two new maps and i think they got a new gun i'm not sure and i think maybe a brand new game mode and said the next season would be six months later with no real details yeah. about what was going to happen in between the game then with this they've announced that third season which is supposed to be coming soon has been delayed till march which pretty much means that season two is going to be 10 months long with no new maps no new guns no new content to keep people playing this game that's only in the multiplayer side another bit about this entire announcement is that hey fork is coming in november okay we're also no longer doing split screen couch co-op that's crazy which is something that they like swore to high heaven in an era where no game was doing it anymore that they would have it in this game insane it's it's not even baffling it makes sense it makes sense to see halo infinite go from the highs it was having at the beginning of the year when the game came out they pulled the multiplayer off we pull it off everyone it's free it's a live service game we're going to be handling it with live service then they put out halo infinite with its kneecaps cut off and the people were like it's a single player campaign whether the the quality of that campaign varies from person to person i think it's just okay i think to reiterate a point i think open world is really boring it ruins what is probably wait the single player came out yes yeah oh came with a wet fart then i didn't know (laughs) i played it i showed you guys me playing it a while ago Uh right after i had to fucking figure out how to get xbox game pass to work oh i remember because i didn't have an xbox controller but yeah that's not a hero there this reeks of bioware and anthem being developed in a vacuum i don't hear the thing i don't i, don't, I wouldn't even agree to that i i, 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 think. I don't agree with that i think when i say this i just mean the roadmap is out there clearly with how you should do a live service game with seasons and content and even with all the money from microsoft and i think Phil Spencer was saying 500 million dollars I, I i saw something recently where phil spencer was saying if we f up anthem if we f up uh halo then we're just screwing up the xbox you know ecosystem that was before game pass became the entire ecosystem and quantity mattered more than quality mm. i don't like but, that yeah uh i i don't want like I, I apologize for what's going to come off as all that shit talking like i don't necessarily mean it in the context i'm just having a hard time finding the more delicate words to describe what i'm seeing here to your point about seeing a roadmap this game was never supposed to be a live service game but i believe in an era where game pass is the delivery system of all xbox games and they decide to rip off the multiplayer and make that a separate thing it became a live service game and they had no sort of roadmap or runway to build a live service game like a thing that I've learned about Valorant and I've learned from Apex and I've learned from Fortnite and I've learned from all those games yeah. is they're prototyping shit for next year right now. The shit yeah. you're playing right now is shit that they've had on the back burner. But if you remember that this was supposed to be a box $60 game that they ripped off the yeah. multiplayer off to be 
its own live service thing that like the cadence that they're putting stuff out seems to be more like just DLC drops of like the old school Halo that they're just trying to couch as a live service game. I think Fortnite that's was we- supposed to start out as a single player game though. Look how quickly they pivoted. I, I would believe that Phil Spencer has access to Microsoft's war chess and I'm not sure who's bigger, Epic or uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. Microsoft is bigger. I feel uh, Fortnite was always a multiplayer game. The pivot they made uh, was just making a battle royale, which that, okay. in the in the framework makes sense. And not the structurally of how we build content and release stuff that we're going to be a live service. It's incredibly disappointing. And I'm very curious to talk to Halo fans because I know objectively from looking at the outside in that like HES is like the Halo Championship series is not popular. It's not this big thing that everyone's like excited for. No one's excited to watch comp Halo. Halo's popularity on streaming platforms like Twitch is like not even top 30 or 40. Like you have to look for it. Like uh, Control F, find Halo to find it and where it is if you're looking for it on Twitch. I know pros and content creators aren't happy about it, but I don't know what the casual Halo audience cares, like how they feel about the game. Because like I'm the outside looking in. I never play the multiplayer. I'm just looking at it from the outside looking in and being like, Oh, these are what they talked about going in, and now we are here right now, and I'm comparing it to other things. But the, the Halo audience could be like, "Oh, I'm having fun playing Halo because, by all reports, it's a solid multiplayer shooter." Yeah, mm. we'd have to ask Jordan. I don't even think he's playing it though. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's the closest we would have to a casual Halo fan, or not even a casual Halo fan, a pretty big Halo fan. So he would actually probably have thoughts on it. But yeah. It's, oh well. uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a disappointing story to see Halo in this place. Like, to my other point about called it, like when they made the pivots early on, I kind of saw the tea leaves of where this would go, especially with the nature of how video games have evolved and what's hot and what's not. And like, what Halo needed to be was this slam dunk, and to see it barely a year out and to be in its state right now. And as far as I can tell. With the way Microsoft is operating, they don't necessarily care. And I don't think they have to care with the strength of Game Pass because they're able to put out that big number at the very beginning of the Halo life cycle that we have X many people playing Halo. Yeah. 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 I just hope that PlayStation looks at this and takes away the one thing of, all right, we put out there that we're going to do like 10 live service games. We have to make sure we have a plan in place. That is not for now, it's for the future. So we are not in a position like 343 Studios. I think you're being, yeah, you're being a little uh, uh, optimistic. I think we're going to get the same issue that every live service game gets when it launches. Is that, oh, it's great, fantastic 10 out of 10 game. Okay, I'm done with all the content they put in there. What do we do next? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, our final story is sort of a a two-part buffet. It's it's more stuff we've already been talking about, but it's a story. So our first story is from GameIndustry.biz. This is from uh, Daniel Pardis. CMA recommends second phase of Microsoft Activision investigation. The Country Music Awards? Uh, CMA is the Competitive and Market Authority, uh, and they are a <laughs> part of the UK regulators that are currently uh, uh, essentially going over the Microsoft V Activision Blizzard, not V, X, no, plus deal. And... They are essentially, with uh, other markets passing it and Microsoft celebrating them, they're sitting there being like, no, we want to keep a more in-depth 
uh, look into this situation. Uh, key takeaways are the deal could see Microsoft withholding or degrading Activision Blizzard's content from other consoles or subscription services. So let's earmark that right there. Microsoft could leverage its broader ecosystem together with Activision's catalog to raise barriers to entry and foreclose rivals and cloud gaming services. So uh, they put out the concerns and Microsoft has come out and responded with the same talking points that they've brought up multiple times when it comes to talking about the Activision Blizzard deal, that it's a boon for gaming all over the place, and that we want to bring gaming to everyone. Uh, the proof is going to be in the pudding in regards to whether those statements matter. Uh, this dovetails into the second story I want to talk about. This from Isaiah Colbert. Microsoft lets Sony have several more years of Call of Duty as a treat. So apparently when the Activision Blizzard news happened, uh, Phil Spencer wrote a letter to uh, Jim Ryan uh, about how that beyond their contractual obligations as the holders of Call of Duty, that it will continue to be on the PlayStation for several more years. Mm, several. The, yeah. These are ultimately the same talking points we've all heard over and over again. Microsoft is going to try to sell the Activision Blizzard deal in their best interest because it's to their benefit that they do so, regardless of whether it ultimately does pan out to be a good deal for the video game landscape. That being said, on the Phil Spencer article, DJ pointed out the several, I always put air quotes there, because several doesn't mean shit. Yeah. So several means more than two, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a concrete, if you're on PlayStation, that you'll be seeing Call of Duty in perpetuity. It is until we're in a place that we can comfortably say we don't need you anymore which is ultimately just a business thing, but in many ways that uh, Xbox currently operates, it's being couched in a congenial, oh, wow, I've lost that word. It's being couched in good things, if that makes sense. Right. How much steam does Call of Duty still have? It depends on how well the notes. Yeah if, yeah, if Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2 pop off, that is, at bare minimum, extra three years in whatever the mm -hmm. life cycle is of Call of Duty. Yep. I'm sure Warzone will be popular, but it's not going to hit the same unless Bill Gates starts another, uh, you know, pandemic. Because some shit is a conspiracy <laughs> theorist to say. <laughs> pull, a, pull a Westworld and just, like, send a yeah. bunch of flies out and infect people. Yeah, I think Warzone <laughs> hit because it was free, it was competent, and everybody, and everybody was, was inside. Out. Yeah. Right. But, like, I think it's just one of those things where... The question is like you saying like, oh, Warzone's probably not going to hit the same high that it that it did before. I don't even think it needs to. Like, I, I feel like it was so popular when it came out that even now people are going to at least go to it to see like, oh, well, what's Check happening here in Warzone 2? And like, and yeah. that's going to be a big pop for them. And that's that's what they're going to market on. So I not mean, if it's taking half their damn hard drive still. Like to, be, <laughs> to Sean's point about the success of Call of Duty, even it's bad years. It is still the number one and number two top selling game on all platforms that it yeah, appears on. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, like, I think personally that it has at least, if there are no improvements and they're just sitting on their laurels and not doing anything to make the game better, it's got, in my estimation, about five to six years mm -hmm. in which it will still be a juggernaut. And it is still one of the casual games that, like, people who buy a console for, like, one experience buy. That is true. And there is no alternative. Halo failed. Battlefield failed. Uh, it's just those. <laughs> it's ju yeah, it's, it's just those. Yeah, that's true. They're the Madden uh, 
NBA 2K variety of gamer will still be playing Call of Duty for as long as they're putting out Call of Duty games, probably. Yeah. And you also have to realize that, like, we're talking about this, but, you know, in a way, we are the vocal minority because there is a ton of people who just go to whatever game store and just, oh, it's a Call of Duty. I don't have that one. Let me buy that one. And that's just, that's all it is to them. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's the same. It's not really much to discuss. Uh, it's the same talking points from both sides of the equation. Uh, people having rational opposition to the the deal because there's no way to sugarcoat you spending $70 billion on another publisher and being like, yeah. hey, it's all business and gravy. There needs to be deep conversations about what this actually means going forward for everyone. And B, it's Microsoft being the, once again, like, it's the same talking points. The only other uh, tidbit of information that we got is that both Call of Duty and Overwatch 2 are going to be on Game Pass. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Overwatch 2, which is now free to play anyway, is going to be on Game Pass. I don't necessarily know what that means for that game. I guess it's extra free content, extra free, like, skins and shit. Does Game Pass do that? I don't see why they couldn't. I mean, PlayStation Plus does that kind of. It's just more spreadability, I think, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the hope. Yeah. You know, if the game is... I mean, because Overwatch is already free to play, though. Yeah. What I mean well, as is with PlayStation yeah. Plus, oh. they give away free... Oh, I see. Cosmetic uh, uh, bundles for, like, Fortnite, yeah. Apex, Smite, you know. They haven't really done that that much with Overwatch, though. Um, they've done, like, maybe legendary... I mean, there are, you can, yeah, stuff, you can, but... yeah, you can like to, to those points, all those games that talking about, you can get like free bonuses to them. But what I'm sort of talking about is that like, I don't see a difference between a free to play game on its own and then a free to play game in Game Pass, if that makes sense. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, that has been our quick hits and. Before we go into what we've been playing, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Go ahead and say it, DJ. It's us. ASMR. (laughs) Hey there. Have you been enjoying this episode? You have? Great. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, then do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcast platform you're using. If you're watching this, then like the video, subscribe to our channel, and hit the bell so you won't miss out on any of our future videos. Check out pressxnumber2start.com to find information about us, the podcast, links to all of our social media channels, and to join our Discord. Thanks so much. We appreciate your support. Now back to the podcast. And we're back. And now... We're going to go into what we have been playing. And to start it off, Avery and I have been playing The Last of Us Part 1. Sorry, The Last of Us Part 1 remake. So, Avery, do you want to go first with your thoughts or should I? Or? You should go first. Okay. Um, so, outside of just saying the obvious, which is it's just more Last of Us, um, I will say that this... And we've talked about this kind of in our Discord chats, but haven't like put it to wax. This feels like the definitive Last of Us experience in terms of like the first game. Like this looks and feels the way that it looked and felt in my head while I was playing the initial first game. 
and it feels definitive in the way that like Persona 5 Royal felt like the definitive fully fleshed out version of Persona 5. Uh, so for that alone, I feel like it's a worthy addition to my collection. Um, and it also makes so that there is a really seamless um, transition for those that haven't played the first Last of Us game and were like, oh, I've heard good things about this and the TV show's coming out, so I'll give this a check. Now that they have this remake that basically is built on the same engine and assets for the most part of Last of Us 2, now they can play Last of Us 1, the remake, and then go play Last of Us 2 and there's no jarring shift in graphical quality or gameplay because it's like literally seamlessly moving into that thing so yeah yeah i concur with pretty much everything marcus is talking about this is the version of the last of us i've always had in my head thinking about that game uh i've played this game this is going to be my sixth time going through the game so i'm relatively to a lesser extent going through the motions of playing it but the experience is so much better in this game than any other version i've played like straight up, the accessibility features are on par with part two, if not better. Uh, the haptic feedback is just, once again, a shed's kit of a feature that even though it makes like a controller die every 50 minutes and uh, it makes the controller itself way too expensive. It's like, it's such a cool addition to the franchise. I'm excited to see what Naughty Dog does going forward. But the most exciting thing for me is that I'll finally be able to get the platinum trophy in The Last of Us and not want to punch my fucking monitor well, I have to play the game on Grounded. <laughs> oh, they changed that? The trophies, yeah, not for it, yeah. Because of the accessibility features, there are no difficulty or skill-based trophies. There are only oh. gameplay-based trophies of things you can do that won't, say, hurt someone who is not able to do it. Right. Right. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Another I, thing that's really cool about uh, the kind of upgrades and the graphical fidelity is that it makes an already cinematic game feel that much more cinematic like the the extra shading the better graphical fidelity even kind of the um shifting or the the better camera movement even um like i'm not as far in as avery is because avery you said you're at the part where you meet henry and sam right yes yeah i'm i'm in pittsburgh i'm at the tail end of pittsburgh Yes, I'm still in Boston with Tess and Ellie, but the opening sequence, the opening 15 minutes of the game, when everything goes to shit and you're in the car with Tommy and Joel and, you know, you're seeing all the chaos, there's a point where you drive by like a, a, a burning barn and you can literally see parts of the barn crumbling and falling off. You can see explosions in the distance. Um you see people getting eaten on the side of the road like it's crazy what the attention to detail for this uh ground up remake has been and i applaud the team for sure yeah this remake has 100 even though i think a remake of a 10 year old game that has already been remastered is an unnecessary flex it is 100 a flex that well justifies itself in my mind uh mm -hmm. There's not much to really say about The Last of Us as an experience. You can go back to any conversation someone's had in the last 10 years about this game to be like, yes, all of that 100% still rings true. 
But in regards to why you should pick this up, honestly, this is the most subjective buy in the entire world. You buy this game right now, depending on how you feel. I am someone who's a big fan of The Last of Us. It's one of my favorite games. I have no problem playing that game again. I'm also a person who has no issue with paying full price for a video game. So I didn't scoff at the $70 price tag when I saw it. But if you vote with your dollars and support who you want to support. Yeah. Uh, but to other people, should you buy this game? I would say that unless you've never played this game before or you're a super hardcore fan, then you could probably wait on it. And if you're one of those people super angry that it exists, the remastered is, is on PlayStation like, Plus. So like you can play the ideal version of the game that you want. I don't understand a lot of the fervor around this game. It's an unnecessary hill to die on. It's a cash grab. All video games are a cash grab. It's a business. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating because it's just like, all right, well, if you have a problem with this game, being available to people who really want the game fine you could just go sit in your room turn off your computer and just be mad but like you're not going to stop sony from putting this game out like they know this game is going to do gangbusters and it's doing gangbusters and this is basically a 10 out of 10 game that they just put polish on so it's like why wouldn't they do that like if i don't know x listener who's mad at this game but really loves, I don't know, Sonic 2. And Sega finally makes a, a, a remake of Sonic 2 and it looks like Last of Us. I'm pretty sure X Listener is going to buy that. The core difference between that is like Sonic 2, the game that's like 25 years old and it being remade would be a completely giant overhaul versus what but hasn't it been here. remade at this point? And all the different Sonic no, collections. No, it's just been stuff? re-released multiple times. Oh, um, yeah. It's like Skyrim. Is there this much bitching and whining when they re-release Skyrim? No, no, of course not. Like one of my uh, things right now is I think that Naughty Dog has just become an easy target mm. post Last of Us Two, um, doing everything that people apparently didn't want them to do. So this just adds more fuel to the fire for the people who are already kind of anti-Naughty Dog. Yeah. A lot of stuff about this game is a lot of bad faith arguments, probably bolstered by a lot of console war bullshit, which we can all be Mm -hmm. guilty of, but this seems like out of control insane in terms of a reaction to this game. Uh, Yeah, like the fact that people are calling Naughty Dog evil for doing this is just weird because it's like... One, they didn't even do crunch for no. for this game to be made. And that brings up a good point about this game, is that a, a lot of things Naughty Dog does is not without a tangible reason. Last of Us 1 came out like a couple of years before the PlayStation 4 came out. I think it was probably yeah. the year... No, it was a couple months. Yeah. And then they put the remaster out there super quick at full price. Yeah. I don't think there was much complaints about that, but that's not a hero there. But one of the reasons there was a little bit, but yeah, not to this level. Uh, one of the reasons uh, they did that is that it allowed their Uncharted 4 team to get practice with the PlayStation 4 hardware, which made development on that game easier. And for this game, from what I can tell, from what things I've heard from the studio and anecdotes about people connected to the studio, is a this game allowed them to keep parts of the Last of Us uh, 2 development team employed, because typically what happens when games come out is that. The further along a game goes, the more and more developers it requires. And then after it's come out, most of those developers are cut off to the wind. 
because there's actually no work for them to be doing. This game, A, gave them work, and then B, because of his PlayStation 5 focus, gave them actual, like, hands-on time with the PlayStation 5 and its development tools to make further Naughty Dog games better. So, the PS3 version of The Last of Us came out June 14th, 2013. The PS4 came out November, what's that? Five months later? November 15th, 2013. And then um, the remaster came out July 29th, 2014. So that's uh, about eight, eight, nine months later for the remaster. And uh, about a year, slightly less than eight. No, barely over a year for the remaster for The Last of Us. Yeah. So that, this is my final take on this game, is that The Last of Us is a fucking fantastic game, and this just allowed it to maintain its position as a fantastic game because old yeah. game is old and games age surprisingly quickly. True. Especially yeah. now. Um, yeah. I'm right there with you on that. And before we go further into uh, what we have been playing, once again, um, for those of you watching, please consider giving us a like, a subscribe, share, and make sure you turn on that notification bell and leave a comment if you so choose. And on top of that, for those listening, once again, please go on over to the YouTube channel and do everything that I just said and leave us a review on whatever platform, uh, be it Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Music, or what have you. Give us a review because it helps us out. So Even if you're you. listening on a monkey, man, just give it a tug. It'll appreciate it. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> uh, on to the next. What else have you been playing, Marcus? Oh, yeah. I forgot how long it's been since I've been on this podcast. Uh, so in the time that uh, I haven't been on, I have played three games. I played and beat As Dusk Falls, which goes back into uh, the Xbox Game Pass thing that I was talking about earlier. I got back into Ghost of Tsushima for the Iki Island DLC on a whim. And then I started playing the query. So I'm just going to kind of rapid fire through all three of these things because all of them are sort of old ish at this point, especially Ghost of Tsushima. As Dust Falls, um, I think it's a solid game, actually. The um, art style still isn't my favorite. I don't like that kind of moving uh, light novel type of uh art style for a video game so that was still throwing me off for a while but eventually you just kind of get used to it and they actually add a little bit more motion as things progress um the game takes place in three chapters and ends on a cliffhanger that i won't go into but yeah i was actually thrown off uh because when it ended i was ready for there to be a chapter four and then the credits were rolling and i'm like what the okay i thought it was a full-on like one and done game but it seems like there is supposed to be a sequel um but overall uh solid experience because this game was done by former quantic dream devs right yeah. yes yeah and so that shows through in that there is a strong amount of choice um, at the end of each uh, chapter. They show you kind of how your choices had varying effects and there's blanks on all the choices that you didn't take. And it's a surprising amount. Um, and 
there's, I think, a possibility for like over 10 different endings, depending on how you play the game. So I always champion those type of choose your own adventure games that actually have a lot of varying or branching paths because that's the way it's supposed to be done. Um, so overall, yeah, I liked um, As Dust Falls. It was worthy of my time. And it was cool because one kind of uh, little pastime with me and my roommate at this point is just her watching me play video games. So that's been cool. Next up, Ghost Shima Iki Island. I think Sean and DJ, you've already talked about this, right? Yeah, I played it. I, I downloaded it, but I didn't get a chance to play it yet. Oh, okay. Well, it's more Ghost Shima, so it's still great. Um, it, I hadn't played Ghost Shima in so long, so I had to go through that awkward... In your ass re- phase? Right, like relearn <laughs> how to play this game phase. Uh, but it didn't take as long as I was expecting it to. And once, you know, I got back on the bike, it was pretty easy to ride it again. And I was running fades left and right before I knew it, just rolling up into camps and asking for the biggest nigga there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the story of Iki Island is actually pretty cool. It's very, even more so than, um, the base storyline. It's very internal uh and really kind of goes into Jin psyche and his guilt over what happened with his father and there's aspects of it because the villain or the main antagonist the eagle kind of deals in poison so there's elements of it that kind of bridge that gap between legends and how that's very supernatural and the base game and that's pretty cool so that's actually yeah pretty cool um i'm relatively far into it but i haven't played it in a bit because uh i started playing the quarry and then last of us remake came out but i'll get it back around to it um do you feel like yeah. it's harder than the base game no mm-hmm. sam just tried <laughs> you were, oh you were having you were having a tougher time it may be just because i was so far removed from it though but i feel like it was yeah. up on my ass initially Wait, that that makes sense though because i think what i did is i kind of spent a good amount of time in the world to relearn everything before I started doing a lot of the story stuff. So by that time, I was already reacclimated to it. I think it came out like a year after the game actually came out. So you forget what stance is strong against certain right. enemies. And yeah. Yeah. Though the game does pretty good uh, with um, giving you tips. Like mm-hmm. if you're getting work too much, it'll be like, all right, hey. Uh, this stance is good against uh, these people. Just letting you know. <laughs> By the way, we notice that you're dying a lot. Please, please <laughs> read our game. <laughs> Couldn't help but notice you need help. Tip, hit enemy until it dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then outside of that, the quarry, um, yet another choose your own adventure game. Uh, another game from Supermassive that I haven't played all of the Dark Anthology games. I played Man of Madan, and the Dark Anthology games so far have sort of felt like lower-end versions of Until Dawn, Um, Mm. whereas the Quarry feels like right at the same level of quality as Until Dawn. You know, it's, it's still that classic, super massive getting actual actors in there and names that you at least faces that you recognize especially from the disney channel 
Right. <laughs> yeah. And there's this weird kind of like disconnect uncanny valley thing that happens with it. But overall, this is very much so a throwback to kind of um, 80s and 90s slasher films and sleepaway camp vibes. Um, I think I'm like halfway through it and it's a super massive game. Like you kind of know what you're going to get from it. And if that's what you like, then this is going to give you more of that. Um, also, I think this is the most characters they've had. I feel like this is more characters than Until Dawn for sure. Yes, it's definitely more characters than Until Dawn. Until Dawn had the six cast members, then the uh, Hunter, mm-hmm. the Hunter, and that's about it. If you don't count like the the therapist. And then this one mm-hmm. has your six camp members. Then you have two extra camp counselors. Right. And then it has the entire uh, family, which is about six characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like a bigger cast. So it, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big ensemble. Um, it's a bit more ambitious uh, in terms of gameplay. And yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it's more super massive. I'm having a good time with it. And, you know, it's just a, it's one of those situations where it's a good communal experience, you know, because if you get playing it by yourself is cool. But if you have like one or two more people in there and they're making choices with you, it makes it a little more interactive and fun for everybody. So that's kind of how I'm enjoying playing the game. Um, whereas like Ghost Shishima, I'm playing that by myself for uh, yeah. Last of Us. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. Cool. Cool. So me. I decided to drop into, actually, I've been playing a uh, redacted game, but uh, you'll hear more <laughs> about that um, in a month or two. Uh, but for whatever reason, last night, I decided to drop into Fortnite and um, checked out the Dragon Ball Super content, which I didn't realize was like a whole thing. I thought they just dropped in Goku and friends skin and dropped in a Kamehameha. Um, it was actually a small little adventure thing where they drop you into a capsule corp tourist destination and you approach Goku at a message board, what have you, and you collect a Dragon Ball and you can go on these little mini quests to collect more Dragon Balls. Um, I think they send you in a hyperbolic time chamber and what the hell do they have you doing there? I think practice with the Kamehameha wave to like blow up rocks and then you know you could go to Kami's tower and Goku's house which I think was Master Roshi's house they just had you collecting Dragon Balls over the place and granted I know that there are plenty of Dragon Ball games that you can play but it was just interesting to see this collaboration in Fortnite yeah um it was okay for what it was it didn't blow my socks off but it's still just 12 year old me could never imagine something like this Right. Did you actually play a match with him? Nah, I'm not spending any money in Fortnite. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, so you don't get the... Okay, okay. No, so you, yeah, get... you can buy Goku's skin, but um, you can play as your own skin in the Dragon Ball little adventure thing that they have. I see, I see. It so is legitimately with... funny to just, like, have Goku riding around on Nimbus, and then he just pulls out the chopper. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm out of key, but I ain't out of options. <laughs> if only he had that technology for sale. <laughs> um, that looks like they have plenty of different skins in there uh, for his different states. So they got Super yeah. Saiyan Goku. They got a Super Saiyan God Goku. They got Base Goku. You know, 
whatever. They got Ultra Instinct um, and yeah. Other than that, I started playing. I, I finally got back into Yakuza Zero. I was kind of discouraged the first time because I thought the uh, the cutscenes, a lot of the cutscenes are skippable, and then a lot of them are not. And you cannot like, you know, in some games you can just kind of press a button to kind of hurry the dialogue along. Some of this shit you just have to sit through. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, but I am up to the portion where you are playing as Majima and as a Jordan called him Prince. It's <laughs> interesting to just walk the streets and see people run up to you trying to, you know, run your fade and y'all are just brawling in the street at this point. I do not like the virtual fighter controls, but I mean, I'm a just struggle through it. It feels slightly disjointed to me. I wish it had, you know, I wish it controlled more like sleeping dogs or uh, gosh, what the hell is it like Batman Arkham type games for the amount of people that they throw at you sometimes. So what what exactly is wrong with the controls? What was the like, last time you it... played Virtual Fighter? I think what Sean is trying to uh, elucidate is that it has a very 1v1 control scheme because it's based on a fighter yeah. and all those games are games where like they've made the game that you're able to physically fight multiple people. Yeah. So like, uh, all right, in, in Batman, you can be surrounded by people and press a direction to hit somebody over here catch somebody trying to sneak you from the back and, you know, shit like that. It's it's much more fluid in, for my frame of reference, Batman, Arkham, whatever game you're playing. Yeah. And this one, you're just going to catch, you know, a bat to the back of the neck because you cannot pivot and hit the person that you see about to hit you. I like know. real fighting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, even off to the side, though, it's not like you can't just hurry up and switch to a person real quick. You're locked on to a person until your attack animation is finished. I see. He was like, oh, I thought I was going to run the ones. I thought I thought this was fair. (laughs) (laughs) But regardless, (laughs) the presentation and spectacle of this game is very excellent. And um, I'm going to play through the series with the power of PlayStation Plus Premium. Anyway, um, moving on. (laughs) DJ, your experience. So, uh, so I played uh, a couple of games that are, I guess, relatively new. Uh, Call of the Lamb, the last time I talked about it, I had a glitch in the game, so I had to start the game over. Started the game over, played it. Currently, I've beat one out of the four bosses. It's one of those things where I've just been kind of picking it up here and there when I'm, you know, while London's watching something on TV or something, I'll just kind of play mm-hmm. a couple of minutes of it. So I really haven't been focusing on it too much. And I I think that's pretty much how it's going to be until I beat the game. It's not really keeping my attention 100% all the time. Um, beyond that, I I think I said like a long time ago when we first talked about eFootball, I was like, oh, I'll give that a try. It's a free-to-play football game. I tried it. I played about three matches. realized, you know what? It's not for me. So I put it down. The game that I'm here to talk about really is a Yakuza game, like Sean, but not Yakuza 0. It is Yakuza Like a Dragon. So if you remember this game, I mean, how could you not remember this game? Because this game is just completely insane. Uh, Jordan played it, and he was raving about how great this game was and just how insane and crazy this game is. I've put in, I don't know, maybe like four or five hours in it so far. I'm probably mm-hmm. like close to one third of the way through the game. And I'm still like kind of unlocking stuff here and there. 
but this game is just great. It is everything that Jordan's been saying about this game. Like, I totally didn't expect to get caught up with the mundane, like, drama that just happens. Like, the main character you play as is uh, Kaska, mm-hmm. and pretty much he's a Yakuza member, but you get some backstory. You get backstory of everybody. You get backstory of him. He grew up in a brothel, and he saw this Yakuza member. He, he saw the, the main Yakuza member guy, and he was like, I want to be like him. So he basically did the, um, the hero thing, which was wait in front of the Yakuza building until the patriarchy guy, who's like the leader, recognized him. And that's how he got into this whole thing. But like, there's some twists and turns that happens, and things happen, and you end up having to essentially complete your hero journey. And this is yeah. very much so like, no, no, this is a video game. This is a video game, and the main character understands his world as a video game to the point where you're running around you're fighting people and they will transform into like a video game type enemy they'll have like red glowing eyes and everything mind you this is like a normal person that's on the on the street so it is so much fun i'm having such a great time with it Um, i want to point out a funny ass quest line that i had in um yakuza zero I was going to get sake for somebody and I seen this line of people waiting outside a grocery store, whatever, convenience store. And this little kid saved up his allowance money to uh, get REQ3, some game that, you know, just was a limited edition. Mind you, this is set in the 80s, so no digital downloads. He gets his game and I think I'm walking down the street and I see him get robbed by a high schooler. (laughs) He cries. I'm like, don't worry, I'll go get your game back. I go to approach the high schooler. He gets robbed by somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yo, he went that way. I don't have the game anymore. I go to approach that dude. He's like, he gets robbed by somebody at gunpoint. Mind you, the level of violence goes up by every time. (laughs) So the high schooler robbed a little kid. The high schooler was robbed by somebody with a knife. The guy with the knife got robbed by somebody with a gun. And I go whoop everybody's ass just going down the chain. And the guy with the gun is like, man, this shit is sold out. I'm just doing this shit for my son, you know. Woof do do, and I'm like, how hilarious would this be if the son he was getting this game for was? That's the what I was gonna originally. say. Right. Sure enough, it was. <laughs> that is, and hilarious. he's like, and he's like, hey, how do you know my dad, Mister? And he's like, he was helping me get your game back. He's like, I beat yeah, his ass. Sure was. <laughs> <laughs> It's just ridiculous shit like this. I think another quest line was um, this girl was forced into, I forget the word that they use, but uh, she's basically selling her underwear on the street to men who wanted her underwear. Okay. And you were supposed to go approach the ringleader to get her to let her out of her contract, whatever. They're like middle school girls. And she's like, man, whatever. Just leave me the hell alone. As you're walking away, some pervert fanatic comes up to her like you're gonna be mine forever and he's about to like stab her with a knife but then you intervene at the last minute and she sees the error of her ways of how dangerous this adult world can be you know of yeah. sex work pseudo sex work this game it it's just crazy it's it's bonkers yeah yeah like like a dragon follows that exact same line like uh it was, this wasn't even a quest line like this is like near the start of the game where you're chasing down a person this guy is basically selling porn to middle schoolers or middle school or high schoolers 
but it's 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 animals it's like animals having sex <laughs> and oh no nah. he's selling bestiality porn no it's just like straight animals having sex it's just like he, he's he's he says like yeah you know those kids are so stupid they don't realize the difference it's just believe, like what the fuck <laughs> i believe the term is zoophilia okay oh Bestiality implies sex between a person and an animal. I think. Yeah, right, 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 right. Two right. animals. <laughs> My man is selling Discovery Channel footage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, like later on, I was walking through the streets, and this, you know, this flasher guy just approached me, and he has a coat on, and he's basically moving like a snake, and you're like, what the hell? So you fight him. Of course, he flashes you. He just has like boxers on. But you like knock him down. And then this weird like scientist guy comes and he's like, ah, you found uh, a Sujiman. And you're like, what the fuck? And basically, this professor guy is categorized. There you go. That's the word. He's he's making this whole Sujiman or Suji decks of all of the like enemies (laughs) in the entire like city. And it's basically Pokemon. And that first guy is essentially supposed to be like an Ekans. And it's like, this is ridiculous. This is just completely ridiculous. But um, the main difference between this game, I think you saw in the gameplay that I showed, is that uh, this is turn-based. So mm-hmm. normally, uh, Yakuza is a brawler. But this game, it's turn-based. And normally, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of turn-based games because I don't like sitting there and like getting hit. But yeah. what I like about this game is that they give you option to, I guess, perfect guard, which reduces the amount of damage you get. And you do a perfect guard by hitting circle, which is a guard button, right as the attack happens. And that, like, you know, decreases your damage taken. So that stuff is, like, cool and it keeps me, like, entertained while I'm playing the game and while I'm doing the whole combat stuff. What I really like about the turn-based combat, and I'm not going to be able to find, like, an actual clip of it, but, like, the actual combat itself or the, like the, the punching and kicking is contextual to the items around you. So mm-hmm. if you are near a bike, like Katsuga will grab the bike and like use the bike as part of his attack or like use a like a caution cone or whatever as part of the attack or a trash can or something. So you never really know like what's going to happen with the combo, but you just kind of hope that like he grabs the thing that's right next to him. And it's it's just a great time so like i'm having a good time with this like this was on playstation plus Plus extra essentials essentials? it's one of the free games essentials games yeah oh okay so i would absolutely if you have time and you want to just by the time this comes out the next game is going to be out oh you're right you're right well hopefully you downloaded this because if you didn't well sorry hey man um, as i always say just add it to your library you may want to check it out later yeah yeah exactly you never know. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing. All right. And that it has been it for what we've been playing. And that has been it for this episode. This has been another episode of Press X to Start Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting apps because every little bit helps. Also, remember to like, share, and subscribe on our YouTube channel. And if you miss any of the details, then you can find this and more on our website at pressx2start.com. Until next time, stay safe, wash your ass, mask up. Peace. Peace.